a little bit about what the Lord's done in my life and hopefully to encourage you to build your faith this morning to renew in you hope that our God is indeed the God of the impossible that when his kingdom comes to earth everything can truly change I think my microphone's <laughs> slowly sliding he's going to figure it out and I'm a living, walking confirmation that our God is a God of change and transformation. Because 10 years ago, you wouldn't have seen me standing here. In fact, it's a miracle that I've ever got to Ireland in the first place. 
that's been a long journey and a long dream that began before I was even born because the Lord placed in me a love for you and for your nation when I was a child. Well, it was there before I knew it was even there, but as long as I could remember, I had a strange fascination and a love for the United Kingdom and Ireland. I grew up in the Church of England in America, which we call the Episcopal Church. So I was steeped in British liturgy and tradition from the time I was born and baptized in that church. And I didn't understand at that time that the Lord was already, as a baby, cradling me in my destiny. That even as a young baby, I was listening to the call to come to this very place on this very day. I want to tell you that's not an accident that I'm here on this exact day at this moment. This is a moment in eternity right now. And it's not an accident that you are here in the seat where you're sitting because the Lord wants to do something today. And he's brought me from America to be a channel of his Holy Spirit and his word to affect a change in your life. Because how many of you know that when Jesus came into a room, nothing ever stayed the same? And I, I have to be careful how I say this, but Christ is in me, the hope of glory. I have died and I no longer live, and I say that with all humility, lest you think that I be puffed up, but I'm not. I'm telling you that I'm dead, and he lives in me. And you are dead, and he lives in you too. Sometimes we forget that. We walk down the streets of Moira. Is that how you say it? I was back in the United States saying, Moira, Moira, and Magabury Prison. <laughs> really. And then yesterday I had to practice. I was in... Balamoni, and I'm home, I mean, I say some Balamoni, Balamoni, I'm going to Balamoni, so I had to practice the, so anyway, getting a lesson in English. <laughs> but I, w I just want you to know that I say that with all humility, that he's living inside of me, and he's living inside of you, and when you touch something the power of God's coming out of your hand, and we just don't really realize it. So why don't things change when we touch them? Because we don't believe. Isn't that true? So today we want to ask the Lord to take away the scales off of our eyes so that we can understand who we are in Christ. Because if you knew who you were in Christ, your whole world would look different. Because, my friends, the kingdom of God is coming through you and in you. And in me, and there's a deceiver who wants to convince you that that won't happen, that you're not spiritual enough, that you're not good enough, that you're not old enough, that you're not pretty enough, that you're not smart enough, that something's missing. And I've come to tell you that nothing's missing. If you're a broken vessel, if you feel like something's missing, hallelujah. Because he wants broken vessels, that's how he pours his glory out is through the broken ones, and that's what I am. Come through a tremendous journey of suffering, bringing me to a place of brokenness. Hallelujah! And I glory now in my weakness. And I'm not afraid to share my weakness with you because in my weakness, his strength has been made perfect. So if I tell you anything today, it's going to be about my failure it's not going to be about my strength because I don't have any strength to talk about. I can tell you about the glory of God and what he's done through my weakness. The glory of God is coming in my house. I'm a single mother. I'll just give you a picture of my life. I live in Michigan, and David is a little bit familiar about the area where I live. I'm a little further north than South Bend. But it's a very snowy country, a very cold right to the east of Lake Michigan, so the moisture collects over the lake, which is like just a big sea, a freshwater sea. So the moisture collects over the, s the lake, and then it comes and it just dumps all in my, over my house in the wintertime. <laughs> and then we have to shovel the snow. So we get a lot of snow. It's very cold and um, very snowy. And then in the summertime, we have, um, it's a fruit-growing country. So I live in the middle of a vineyard and cherry trees and peach trees. It's very beautiful. So if you want to come visit me, um, come in the summer. If you want to swim and come in the winter, and I'll put you to work shoveling the snow. <laughs> so I live alone with my four children. We've been on our own for almost 10 years. The Lord's grace is on my house. His peace is on my children. 
and the Lord has greatly blessed me. But it hasn't always been that way. He's taken on a, a journey of pain and suffering. But if we hadn't been through the pain and suffering, I'd have nothing to tell you about, would I? <laughs> so when we were going through our journey of pain and suffering, our families torn apart. My oldest son coped with his pain by turning to drugs. Um, when he was 12 years old, he started smoking marijuana and cigarettes and began to drink alcohol. And that led to cocaine and what we call crystal meth. He was also addicted to cough syrup and over-the-counter cold medications. My son was a cutter, which means that he would mutilate his body with knives and razor blades to relieve his pain. And he looked like death warmed over. I really need kind of a before and after picture. So. And my son, uh, I was told when he was, um, well, he didn't see himself living past the age of 16. All my son could see was death. And this is the fun. This is the part that you need to know. My son was a believer. <laughs> you can be a believer and be in complete bondage. You can have Christ living inside of you and have your hands tied to your body and not do anything about it. And that's where my son was living, in complete bondage. So I prayed for years for my son. And this is the word I want to bring to you, mothers out here today, because we have a special commission as mothers to pray for our children. And you have authority to pray for your children. And I've come to just encourage you to not stop praying for those children. That's your job. And I want to establish in you fresh faith for your children. So in those days, I prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and nothing happened. In fact, he kept getting worse. And, and I thought, well, my prayers aren't working. And in the natural, the, the police that were working with me told me that my son had less than 1% chance of surviving that he was so addicted that kids like him would either end up in prison or dead. And my own family told me to walk away from my son, that he would just drag me down. I was to just leave him. And, but the Lord has placed, this is the thing about mothers. This is what you have that I believe even the father cannot give to the child. You birthed that child out of your own body. There's a piece of you that's in that body, and you can never abandon it, can you? no matter how disobedient that child is and how disappointed we are in them, we never stop loving them because a piece of you is in there and a piece of him is in there, isn't it? That child came out of your belly. And there's a special love and a bond between mother and child. And the Lord's going to use that to bless your children. But you need to understand the authority you have over them. So during this time, the Lord showed me about authority. And I'm here I am all by myself. I don't even have a husband covering me. And the Lord said, that's okay, because I am covering you. And I saw two things. I saw 1 Corinthians chapter 7. And that chapter is about something completely different, but it's saying that even if you have an unbelieving spouse, your children are sanctified through your faith. Sanctified means they are made holy. The devil has no right to your children. He's not supposed to be able to touch your children, but if you don't understand that and take authority, he will walk all over your household. This is all about understanding what you have. Remember I said at the beginning, understanding who you are in Christ. You can be the son or daughter of a king and have all authority in the land, but if you don't know what your heritage is, if you don't take, take the authority that's been given to you, you're no different than anyone else walking down the street, are you? Unless you take on that heavenly mantle and you walk around and you know that you're a son or a daughter of the king. People walk all over you. But if you can have the mantle of your father covering you and you walk down the street, people say, oh, that's a son or a daughter of the king. That person's got authority. I need to obey that person. So you need to be dressed like your father's dressed so that you look like him and not like you. Yesterday, I did a women's conference about the Garden of Eden, and I was telling the women, I was saying, you can get back to the garden. You can get back to that fellowship with the Lord that you originally had, but you can't do it if look, you look like you. You have to look like the image of God. That's the only way to get through the gates. You can't do it. But if you look like Jesus, those cherub that are on either side guarding the gates back to the garden, they look at you, oh, 
looks like Jesus, come right in. You look like my father. You bear the image. You bear the image. In fact, if I, fi- if I can find it, I want to read to you from Romans chapter 8. Excuse me. I'm just still thinking about what I was speaking on yesterday. Or maybe it was Hebrews chapter 8. <laughs> if I can't find it, I'll just go on. Yeah, I think it is Hebrews. Excuse me. It's about bearing the image of the sun. Well, I don't want to waste time looking for it, but I think you know, if I find the scripture later, I'll tell you what it was. I think you understand what I'm saying, that you have to understand what your identity is. The devil knows who you are, and he's terrified of you because you've got the word of God inside of you. The word of God is what established the world, created the universe. He spoke it into being. Do you understand what it means that you have that kind of creative power inside your body if you're in Christ? We're living at such a lower level than what we could be living at, all of us, because we don't understand. And during the worship time, some of you, if you were watching me, you might have been saying, why isn't she participating in the worship? I was trying to listen to what the Lord was saying to me, and he was giving me a scripture that I really needed to share with you this morning. And this one I did find. Irene helped it, helped me find it. I want to read to you from Mark chapter 11. This is when Jesus and his disciples pass by the fig tree. I'm going to read to you from Mark chapter 11 and verse 12. The next day when they'd come out from Bethany, he was hungry. And seeing from afar a fig tree having leaves, he went to see if perhaps he would find something on it. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. And in response, Jesus said to him, said to it, let no one eat fruit from you ever again. And his disciples heard it. And then I'm going to skip down to verse 20. Now in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. So Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes, now listen, believes that those things he says will be done. He will have whatever he says. He will have whatever he says. Why is that? Because you were made in the image of God. His spirit is dwelling in you, and what comes out of your mouth is power. We don't understand the power in our words. The book of Proverbs says that the power of life and death is in your tongue. So mothers, when you use that power over your children and that authority, you put on that mantle so that you look like your father. The devil has to run away from you. So the Lord showed me that, that, that I had that authority. He also showed me from the Old Testament how Moses had been instructed to paint the doorposts and the lintels with the blood of the lamb. And when he did that, the entire household was protected from the angel of death. Isn't that right? You have authority over your household. And so even though I didn't see anything happening in the natural, I had this little mustard seed grain of faith that if I did not give up, if I understood even just a little bit of who I was in Christ, then my son would be set free because it was not God's will for my son to be in bondage. And the Lord had given me a word for him when he was very young, He was about two and a half years old, and the Lord said that the zeal of God would consume him, that it would burn within his soul, a driving force that cannot be stopped, a fire that cannot be quenched, when he was two years old. And every night when he would go to sleep, I would sing that song over him. The zeal of God will consume you. It will burn within your soul, a driving force that cannot be stopped a fire that cannot be quenched, and on and on. So I'd sing this song to my son. At the time, 
It made no sense. But the Lord said, you sing it to him every night. You're speaking that word into his life. And one day that seed is going to sprout up and you're going to see it in the natural. I didn't know that I was doing spiritual warfare over my baby. Every night. And then when my son's 16 years old and dying from his drug addiction, and everyone else around me has left him and given up hope, and the Lord is saying, speak that word over your son. Don't only speak it. I want you to sing it over him. There's power in your song. So I remember, you know, in, in a night of particular despair, because my son wanted to be set free, and, and in hopelessness, because he, he doesn't know what to do, and I don't know what to do anymore, and just embracing him and singing that song into his ear when he was 16 years old. And then I committed a year to prayer. The last thing the Lord showed me was I needed strategy in this battle. Because we are in a battle. We're in a war. And if you're just aimlessly throwing out bombs and shooting gum, guns and, you know, we, ha we need to have a strategy. We need to know how to do our warfare. Because the enemy knows how to do his. And again, he'll, he'll walk all over you if you let him. We need to be instructed in the word. We need to know how to wield the sword. You need to know the word. You need to know it so well that it'll come out of your mouth like a sword and you can do battle. You need to have that faith stirred up within you so that when he speaks his lies to you, you can speak the truth right back and destroy him with the word. So the last thing the Lord showed me in January of 2005 was that I needed to add fasting to my prayers. And he took me to the story of the demon-possessed boy. And the disciples couldn't cast out the demon. And Jesus' response was, he says, this kind only comes out with prayer and fasting. I didn't know what fasting really was, but I knew that I needed to do it to consecrate myself to the Lord. So I began to fast. The Lord showed me five days. So I fasted for five days. And five friends stood with me during that time. I learned later that the number five is the number of grace in the Bible. So we did this five-day fast, and absolutely nothing happened. In fact, it got worse. That week was a week from hell. It was like fingernails on the chalkboard. We wanted to kill each other. Like, ah! And I'm going to be honest with you. Let, first of all, I have to tell you, this is not how I had planned this morning to go. I was going to do a lot more music for you, and I will do more music for you. But I'm not here to entertain you. I'm here to get out of the Lord's way and let him do what he wants to do. And he wants you to hear this word. So you, that means you have to invite me back to do a concert. <laughs> so let me do a fundraiser for you. Let me do a concert for Moira. But I'm trying to do what the Lord's telling me to do this morning. And I want to be open and honest with you about that week because I believe that you can hear the whole word. You can take the meat this morning. I don't share this with many congregations because they wouldn't be able to accept it. When we started the fast on a Monday, my son came to me the first day. And he says, you got to stop. Stop this fasting stuff. He wanted to be set free. I said, I'm not going to stop. He says, you have to stop. They're going to kill me. I said, who's going to kill you? He said, they are. Who? They are. I said, Charlie, they're lying to you. They know they're losing this battle, and they are lying to you. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And he put his hands on his throat, and he said, stop. They hate when you speak scripture. They're choking me. They're choking me. Every time you speak the word of God, they put pressure on my windpipe, and I can't breathe. And I said, I'm not going to stop speaking the word. And I kept speaking scripture after scripture. This is who you are in Christ. This is who you are in Christ. This is who you are in Christ. And what these demonic forces are squeezing the life out of my son, trying to intimidate me to stop. Like, okay, I give up. And I didn't stop. The only explanation I can give you is the Lord was rising up inside of me and giving me courage because I'm not normally a courageous person. <laughs> So then the second day, I turned on my computer, and the computer was taken over by the devil. I th pressed the on button. Instead of logging in, I see a pornographic picture, just like that. Oh, shut down the computer. I'm not going to use the computer this week. We had a fan in our house that started spontaneously turning itself off and on. Just all terror broke loose in my house to try to scare and intimidate me. Well, the enemy overplays his hand. He reveals himself like that. If you feel scared or intimidated, 
That's the first sign of the enemy. The Lord will never scare you or intimidate me. There is no fear in love. So if you are afraid of something that the Lord's asking you to do and you feel that fear come in, rest assured that fear is not from God. You're to reject it. So we press through the week. Somehow we get to the end of the fast. Nothing has happened. And I'm very discouraged. I think I now I've done everything I can do. I'm finished. I'm over. I'm spent. It's done. But what I forgot was that sorrow lasts for a night and joy comes in the morning. So on the next day, January, tw uh, February 12th, 2005, Charlie wakes me up. That's his name. Charlie wakes me up. He says, Mom, I have to speak to you. Something happened to me in the middle of the night. I've told this story how many times? <laughs> I tell this story every day. And it's new every morning. It's like it just happened. I'm telling you the absolute truth. I'm not exaggerating this. He tells me that Jesus Christ appeared in his room on January 12, 2005. And while he was sleeping, the Lord spoke to him and showed him his whole life without the Lord. And he asked my son if he wanted to be free. And Charlie said, yes, I do. He took the hand of the Lord, which was extended to him. And when he woke up, he was completely set free instantly. When he came to get me, if any of you have ever struggled with a tobacco addiction, addiction to cigarettes, that's really, really difficult to break, isn't it? And my son had no desire for cigarettes, no desire for drugs or alcohol or any of that. The desire had been cut instantly. And he went to the local church and I got a stack of Bibles and took them to the shopping mall, starting to look for drug addicts to tell them about what the power of God had done in his life. My son is an evangelist and a worship leader today. The zeal of God consumed him and it burns within his soul. A driving force that cannot be stopped, a fire that cannot be quenched. The word has become flesh inside of him. The word became flesh. This is so important for you to understand. Because the word is inside of you when you speak it into someone's life. It's becoming flesh. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1 now we hope for the things that we don't not, uh, I can't quote it properly, excuse me. I did, pull, I did pull this one out from yesterday. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And your job, you've got a mouth. Every person in this room has a mouth. I'm looking around. Yes, we've all got mouths. We speak with a different accent, but we have the same word. And the word gets planted inside of you when it comes out of your mouth. It's planting a seed in someone else's life. And when that seed grows up and you see the plant coming out of the ground, that word is becoming flesh. It's becoming, it's turning from a spiritual thing into a natural thing that we can see. And you need to believe that the word never fails. then when his word goes forth, it always brings a harvest. It never returns void. In Jesus' name, that's what God said. That's not what I'm saying. It can't possibly return void. Because it's God's word, not mine. If I speak my words, they're nothing. They fall to the ground. If I speak his word, they bear fruit. And your job is to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth, to make, to call the things that are not as if they are, and you keep watching over those things and sowing seed into those things and watering those things with your prayers till you see them become flesh. And mothers especially, this is a word to you this morning. If you're a mother, that means you've had a child. If you have a child, that means God is using you to move this world into the next generation that he's chosen you to sow something into the next generation. Your seed is going to live on after you die, Lord willing. If he's given you that privilege of having a child, then it is your responsibility to be sowing the word of God and faith through your mouth to that child, both when you speak to that child and when you're praying for that child. And that is more important than anything else you do 
for that person, whether it's a baby, whether it's full grown, you still have spiritual authority. I don't care if your child is now full grown and your grandmother. That child is still under your spiritual authority. And you may, your child may be far from the Lord or wrapped up in addiction or whatever, and it doesn't matter. Christ has the victory. And the word never returns void. It just needs to be sown. You can't expect these things to happen without someone sowing the word. You can't just look at the ground and say, okay, up here, come on, let's have a garden. Just Here we go. No, 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 you've got to sow something. And that's your particular responsibility as a mother. The other responsibility you have as a mother, and this is something I've learned, I'm getting older, and I, I'm, this year is really the first year I felt released to even do any teaching on mothering. And now I feel, that it's like, oh my goodness, now I'm old enough to teach younger mothers how to be, my, oh boy, that's scary. That means I'm getting old, oh dear. But I can tell you, because Charlie is now 21 and he's married, He's 21. I have an 18-year-old son. I have a 14-year-old daughter and a 12-year-old daughter. So my kids are getting up there in years, and I'm watching the fruit on my children's trees. And I can tell you something about mothering, and that is don't teach them to follow a set of rules and regulations. Don't teach them, if you do this, this, and this, and this, you'll become like Jesus. Don't teach them. Don't make them cheap imitations. You can make them look good. You can bring them to church. You can dress them right. You can make them read Bible stories. You can teach them to pray. You can do all those things, and those things are good. You need to bring your children to church. You need to feed them with the Word. What I'm telling you, though, is those things are not going to make them into a Christian. God is going to make them into a Christian. They need to be born again. They need to be converted by His Spirit. And there's nothing you can do. To, you can make them look you can look like a Christian, you can talk like a Christian, you can walk like a Christian and not know the Lord. They need to know him. They need to have a relationship with him. And the way they're going to do that is by following you. You tend to your own garden, mothers. You feed yourself with the word every day. You spend time intimately with the Lord every day. You fill yourself up with the Holy Spirit. And that anointing that's on you is just going to roll right off your shoulders onto your kids. It doesn't matter what you tell them. I joked yesterday that I was preparing to come to Ireland this weekend. And so the week before it comes, always very busy. And, and um, the kids have their needs. You know, they need me to pack a lunch or they need me to drive them. Or they just need to talk to me. So I have kids coming to me all the time. Mom, can you do this? Mom, can you do Mom, blah, Mom. And I'm like, leave me alone trying to bear, prepare for this spiritual weekend over in Ireland. I'm going to teach him about how to be a Christian. <laughs> I'm teaching him about the fruit of the Spirit. <laughs> I'll come back later. I'm too busy. <laughs> and my kids are listening to the words out of their mouth, and they're watching the fruit coming out of my life and saying, Mom, these are two different things. What are you really going to teach these people? <laughs> the kids are listening to what you say, but really, they're watching how you live. And they're going to become whatever they see in you. You can make them into cheap imitations. You really can make them look good. You can put really good clothes on them and teach them how to behave nicely. You can, help, you can teach them how to memorize scriptures so they look really spiritual. You can teach them to do all those things and have them still not know the Lord. You need to bring them to the well of living water. Just bring them there and let them drink of him, and he will grow inside them, and it will be real. And then when they turn out to be teenagers and they've got struggles with the world, they'll have the living word inside of them, and you have taught them how to use that sword, and they'll be ready to do battle. My younger children saw the battle we went through with the oldest son. My kids do not need to hear Bible stories. And please hear what I'm saying. I'm not trying to say it's bad to sit them down and read to them. But my kids do not need for me to teach them how to sing Jesus Loves Me or any of those things. They don't need to learn how to look like a Christian. They saw Christ in our home. 
Jesus Christ was revealed in our house and my children saw the power of God and he is their teacher. They don't need me to instruct them. They need the Lord. And please don't get me wrong. We spend time in the word. We spend time in prayer. But mostly that's about being who you need to be in Christ. And they're going to follow right behind. They really will. And they're going to respect you so much for it when they see the integrity of your life. When, you, when they see you walking in the spirit, they're going to want it. And I wish my kids were here with me today. I've got two little girls, and they're like walking little jeans. In fact, sometimes I look at my girls, for better or for worse, they look like me, and that's scary. I mean, they've got all my faults. You know, sometimes I see, and I thought, so what's that child's problem? Oh, that's what I do. Oh, my goodness. She's acting like me. Oh, dear. Oh, heavens, you know. But they pick up the good stuff as well. And they learn how to pray. They see their mother tucked away in a prayer closet somewhere for hours. They don't know what she's doing, but they know it's important. They watch you pray. They watch you spend time in the Word. They watch how you treat other people. They watch you pour out your life for other people. And you take them with you. I take them with me everywhere I can. I couldn't bring them today. They came with me to England in November. It was marvelous because they're, I've got one on either side of me and they're watching miracles happen. Do I have to instruct them? Do I have to say, now children, did you know that Jesus does miracles? They're sitting there watching the cancer leave. They're sitting there watching the deaf people receive their hearing. They're watching addictions fall off of people. Do I need to tell them? No, all they need to do is see the Lord. And they see it. My kids believe because they've seen the Lord. So you just follow him. Keep your eyes on the tree of life and keep your children close to you. You won't have any problems. You will not have any problems. I want to sing for you a song right now called Everything Can Change. And as I sing, I want you to just close your eyes, let the Lord minister to you. I want you to think about that situation in your life or that child right now that seems like he's far from God or that situation that seems so impossible at this moment. And I want you to just apply the word of God and your faith to that situation. Imagine in your mind what would happen if the Lord came into that situation and transformed it.
desires long ago laid them down at the foot of your throne but there are dreams inside that refuse to die dreams as wide as the michigan sky i want christ to walk the earth through me i want to fulfill my destiny because you're my dream was not thought of first by you, all for your glory, all for your glory, you make my dreams come true. this morning to, to tell you much about that story but it's the same thing I've been telling you about children there was a spiritual seed sown in me from the time I was born and it was my spiritual destiny I don't know much about seeds and botany that sort of thing but I do know that the DNA everything that that plant is going to grow up and become is contained completely inside that seed I know that 
So when the Lord created you, when he conceived in his mind what he wanted you to be as a person, everything, your complete destiny was right there at the time of your conception. And it was holy. He had a holy and distinct purpose for every single person in this room. And when you get filled with the Holy Spirit and you surrender your life to Christ and you allow him to live his life through you, that destiny is fulfilled. It is the only way for that destiny to be fulfilled. There's no other way except by letting him do it because you cannot do it. And in this world, we see millions of people throwing their lives away as they try to fulfill something that's holy with things that are unholy. They try to fulfill the desires of their heart and those dreams, those God-given dreams that he's placed inside of each one of them. And we know what those dreams are. We see them, we sense them, we feel them. But they can only be fulfilled by the power of the Holy Spirit. And when we try to do it any other way, it never happens. And that's why people die in hopelessness and despair. Because they knew they missed. They never grew into what they were designed to be. And there's tremendous despair when we sense that we've missed it. And when I was at my lowest point about 10 years ago, when I was in that state of hopelessness and despair, because I had tried to fulfill my destiny with earthly means, in my own strength, and I didn't do it, and I felt that sense of failure. I had failed. And as I told you earlier, praise God, I failed. Because it was in my failure that I found how the dream was going to be fulfilled. It was not by me, but it was by him. And I had to die. Jesus says in John 12, 24, unless a seed falls to the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it's going to bear much fruit. And when we bear fruit, we're filled with his joy. Today, and again, I tell you this with all humility, all humility, I'm bearing fruit today through you because I'm doing what I'm designed to be. If the Lord's made me an apple tree, then there's apples on my tree today. This is what I was made to do, and he's allowing me to do it, and I'm filled with his joy because his spirit's flowing through me. I'm doing what he, I, he designed me to do. He designed me to come to Ireland. And when I was old enough to read, I became obsessed with British literature and stories about you, particularly about Ireland. When I was in what we call the ninth grade, you were on my heart, and I had to write a report about one nation in the world, and I chose you. I didn't. I should have really should have brought it because I still have the actual report from 1979. I have. The, I got a B plus on it. The teacher said it was okay, but but it had pi it it had pictures of you. It had a map of your nation. It had your history. It had your culture. It was all about you. That was planted in my heart. That was 1979. I knew I was supposed to come here, and I don't have any British or Irish blood or heritage. That's what makes it totally supernatural. I shouldn't in the natural. I shouldn't like you, <laughs> but I love you, and that's a God thing. I love everything about you. I love this nation. I, I'm going to be crying on Tuesday when I have to go home because I love being in here. I love being here. This is where God designed me to operate. There was a prophecy about me in a church in America last year. I went to a church. Nobody knew me. I was a stranger. I was out of place. I was sitting on the front row and just wondering what people were thinking. And there was a man sitting behind me. The Lord gave him a word about me. He said, you see that woman sitting there? She is my teacup, and she's at her best when she's at high tea. Let me tell you what, we don't drink tea in America. We drink coffee. It's not that I'm not supposed to live in America, but this is the place where he designed me to operate most effectively. There's something about my music and my personality that you will listen to, I hope. I don't know what it is. And I can even tell you things that you don't like and you might listen. There's something about the way he made me that fits here. I'm a puzzle piece that fits here. There was a word planted in me and it's become flesh when I died to myself and became a broken vessel. And I'd be lying to if I didn't tell you that being broken hurt. Of course it hurt. 
Jesus had to go through the Garden of Gethsemane to fulfill his destiny. You're not going to get to your destiny unless you're willing to go through that garden of brokenness and die into yourself. Only then will the word become flesh in your life. Only then will you become everything he designed you to be. Only if we teach our children to follow that path will they become what they've been designed to be. That's why we have to teach them not to follow us, follow the master. What I want to do, I'm mindful of the time today. I wish that I had more time, but I know that we have to get to the prison. There are men there that are waiting. I'm doing a concert there, and I've been told that they are so excited about my coming. Now, it might be just because I'm female. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Hot dog! <laughs> we haven't seen one of those in a long time. <laughs> Sorry, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Whatever the reason, I got an email from one of the chaplains this week. He said they're actually canceling their visitation time with their families to see me. And it doesn't matter. Maybe they are coming to see me because I'm female. It doesn't matter because I'm not going to be there. Jesus is going to be there. Jesus is going to be there, and there's a glorious work he's going to do. But we're not finished yet here today. What I want to do right now, and if I can't finish it, I know you can finish it without me. I want to open up a time of ministry. If we could even have, is the worship team still around, or did they go out for coffee? <laughs> they said, oh, good, we get a week off. If the worship team is still around, I would love it if you could lead us back into some worship. And I'd just like to open up the front here. And um, d I have some people with me that are, that are wonderful prayer warriors. Um, and basically, we're all just people that are dead. We're just dead people with Jesus living inside of us. That's all we are. I know your church has some dead people, too, that know how to pray, that have Jesus living in them, that can help. And I would love to, if your church has uh, people that are trained in intercession, that that enjoy interceding for people. If we could maybe have another team of people come up, a couple of people to help us. I want to open up the front to have you come forward for two things. If you're a mother and you need us to pray for a child right now, if you have a child that needs prayer, and I'm particularly moved for that child, Jake, the little one who's sick, we need to pray for Jake this morning. I'm very moved in my spirit about this child. If you have a child that you would like us to pray with you about, or if you have a situation in your life that you need to see the word become flesh in that situation, you're losing faith. Whoa, you need fresh hope today for that situation. This is the time we want to agree with you that that word is going to become flesh. So we're going to begin that time. If, if I am not able to stay for all of it, like I said, you've got dead people here that have the Holy Spirit living in them that are very capable of going on. And because I am... I don't know if I'll be able to speak again. I want to mention that I've got music with me on the back table. If you want to take some of the music home, it's there to take along. Also more info, a card that you can take if you want to find out more about um, me. And some of my CDs, we had a glorious meeting yesterday in uh, Balamoney, and I sold out of a couple of my latest CDs. If there's something there that you want that's not there today, I'm going to have them shipped over from England. I have a bunch over there. They can be shipped to the church, I would imagine. We could get, have them shipped there this week. So please, if you don't see what you want there today, feel free to order it. You can pay for it today, and you'll have it by next Sunday. Um, so don't let that stop you if you want to take some music home. But mostly we're here right now to just receive from the Lord, the Holy Spirit. So if we could just go back into some worship. And Lord, we just honor you. We praise you. We magnify you. Thank you, Lord, that we don't have to live in this world the way it is, but you have called your kingdom come and your will be done. That you came, Jesus, to transform us into more than we could be. You came to transform us and change us. Make us, remake us in your image. And Lord, we just do pray, God, come, have your way in us. Help us, Lord, raise up faith in us to believe that those things that in the natural look so impossible and so dead could be just about ready to spring to new life. Oh, Father, we just call forth those dead things right now and say life. We speak life. 
we speak come out of the grave to those dead things in Jesus name come out of the grave come to life